ahead and do something a little different. Uh, can I get, um, tell you what, let me use two mics. I trust these are working. Um, well, you never know about the batteries. That's what I guess I'm saying. I'm sure they work, but yeah, these two will work. All right. Got two on it. Around for this special. Okay, um, let me have two fellas give me a hand. Yeah, there you go. Come on up, guys. Why don't you take this mic over right onto that corner, right by those double doors, and you put those on. No, those doors right there. Yes, sir, I'm sorry. I didn't give you very clear direction, did I? All right. Um, we're going to do a little testimony time. I just want to ask folks, I just want to get an idea of uh, maybe just take a few minutes and have a testimony about our 60 hours of prayer and just what it meant to you or something you might have learned or possibly just uh, how it was a blessing to you, your family, or whatever it might be. If you uh, have a testimony <clears throat> you'd like to share something, I'd like to hear it, and um, I think it'd be helpful and an encouragement. So is there anybody over in this section over here, one of these two sections that has something they'd like to share that was actually here for the prayer? Okay, go ahead, brother. I learned that uh, our church family uh, really means a lot to me and my family. Uh, Amen. We don't, we often take things for granted in this life, and uh, I've learned out since uh, my life, within my last 55 years. And growing up, um, my family was sporadic. My uh, father was uh, our real father. I loved him, but uh, he was always in and out of our lives. And I look at our pastor here at the Community Baptist Temple as my spiritual father, and I mean that. And I've, I've, we've talked a lot in the past, and just seeing people from this church who are willing to make commitments. I've had a problem with that in the past, making commitments, and just the encouragement that I get knowing that, hey, when people say they're gonna be somewhere from the Community Baptist Temple body, family, they're there. And it doesn't matter. They'll drop things at the drop of a hat, and they'll run, and they'll do things in the church that, I've seen them do, and I'm like, you know, I, I feel guilty because I, I should have been there helping. And I love this church. I love the church body, the church family. And I know that if I have a problem, I can look to anybody in this church, and they'll give me a helping hand, or they'll pray for me and my family. And uh, that's a big encouragement. As far as the prayer uh, for the 60 hours, um, it was dynamite. That's all I got to say. Thank you. All right. Well, I appreciate the testimony. Let's let's do try to keep them focused on the prayer time because we only have so much time here tonight. If you could help me with that. Somebody in this section here. Um, yeah, right here, Brother Marty, right there. Yeah. Well, it's a new experience for me. I've never been anything and done anything like this. And uh, the thing that uh, had an impact on me, men, women, teenagers, People even older than I am, we were all in agreement. Uh, we all were absolutely in total agreement in regards to what we were praying for. Amen. All right, somebody um, in this section over here. Okay. Um, well, I've never been part of anything like this either before, and it was just, um, it was. I thought it was going to be really hard to pray for that whole time. Mm -hmm. um, I struggled with it in my own prayer time at home. Um, but just being able to, um, like Marty was saying, you know, you are all in agreement about what you're praying for, and it just flew right on by. And it just really, I don't know, I was um, got emotional a couple times during it because it mm -hmm. was just so powerful hearing everybody um, you know, focused on the same thing and, and hearing their hearts for the souls out there. So, Amen. Yeah, awesome. It was. It, it was. it was really. It was, it was amazing how quick the time went, isn't it? Okay, somebody maybe in this section over here. Okay, over here, uh, Miss Devin there. Um, yeah, I've never been a part of that before either, but I, I would say, like, it's just encouraging to just hear, like, the church in general because you don't hear the hearts 
of the church body, and everyone's so different and unique about the way that they pray and the way that they think that um, it diversifies your prayer. So even in your own life, I think it just kind of helped be an encouragement to me because you only hear yourself and you only mm -hmm. think from your own perspective. So to hear other people's <laughs> perspective just helps that prayer life to grow. Um, and I think it's amazing. I know that God wants to hear the church. So for us to just come together all as one, I think it not only helps us to pray just on these big things that we're talking about, but pray a little bit more, more wholeheartedly for each mm -hmm. other individually. So I think that was a blessing for me in my own prayer life. Amen. All right, somebody back over here in these sections. Um, down here in the front. Let's come down here to the front first, and we'll work our way back. We'll do a couple in that section. I, I just wanted to say while praying I, that I, it broke my heart, and, and that was just something that to get such a tender heart again, I felt like, again, that it just broke, and I just want to stay that way. I want to thank Amen. the souls. Amen. All right, go ahead and work your way back there. I thought I saw a hand in the back here. There's one there and one there, okay? The prayer time was really a blessing for me just because uh, you had a chance to see at least the fellows I was with, and then seeing the, the sign-up sheet, the hearts of everybody in the church, mm -hmm. and seeing how we can all get behind one task. And it's really encouraging, and it's so much easier to wrap your mind around accomplishing something when you know the whole church is in it. So it was a huge blessing knowing the heart of the church, as was already mentioned, in that our goal is just to see souls saved, and that as the church follows the vision of our pastor, it was just a huge blessing to me. Because, again, you don't always have a chance to speak to every single person in the church, but you had a, an opportunity to feel the heart of the church and the pulse, Amen. and it was a huge blessing for me. Yeah, I, I felt that too. I enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, I had opportunities to uh, be with a number of groups through the, the three days, and it was awesome. It really was good in that regard. Yeah, go ahead. I was, uh, I was privileged to be able to be part of the 60-hour prayer thing, and I'll tell you something. I really enjoyed getting and meeting with God, but also the brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed... Uh, Privileges just of uh, what Christ did because when he died on that cross, this is what he did. He brought the fellowship between us and God. Mm -hmm. And this is what this fellowship is all about. I'm looking forward now in the future to see how many of these prayers he's going to answer. This is something I'm really looking for, especially our teens. And I'm looking forward to see a stronger church. Amen. And I'm looking forward just the idea that <clears throat> there's nothing impossible with our God. Amen. All right, let's work over this way here now. Yeah, we get you both going there. Yeah, there you go. All right, and then Brother Mike, and then we'll drop. Okay, good. And you seem, okay, good. Was able to do that a uh, couple nights there, and it was wonderful to pray. And while I've been praying and also preparing with that, uh, that soul-winning training we had, mm -hmm. it got me thinking that, you know, I've always wanted to be in the mission field or something like that. Why can't we make Akron area our mission field? Like, Amen. we're being sent out by CBT. You know, we had all the thousands of dollars raised for our missionaries. Yes. But all we had to do was pray. And, and we could all look at ourselves as being in the mission field here in Akron. Amen. If you don't like what's out in the street and out in the world, well, let's get out there and reach them like missionaries. Why does it have to be Africa? Why does it have to be Australia? Mm -hmm. Let's send that light. Yeah, that's it was. It was fun. it was inspiring, wasn't it? Just the praying and being together. Uh, I think in the back and then. Uh, no, yeah, okay, yeah, you're good there. Yeah, thank you, brother. <clears throat> Our pastor had the vision to do this. What I experienced coming in coming into this auditorium, you felt mm -hmm. the presence of God. Yeah. And as you was down there praying, I'm so thankful because it caused me to have revival. Mm -hmm. in my own life because of 
our pastor having the vision to do this. So I, I just, that's yeah. huge for my life. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's one of the blessings of having a good staff. Brother Josh came to me and he said, boy, I think this would be a great idea. Preacher, I think this would be awesome. And he presented that 60 hours of prayer to me. And I looked it over and I said, wow, this is pretty, you know, pretty aggressive. I mean, asking people to be here for 60 solid hours on location for an hour at a time, 240 slots. And I said, well, let's give it a shot. And so the Lord was good to give us good, solid assistant pastors or pastors or helpers to me, assistants to me that have a vision for souls and a vision for God. And I appreciate that. And so, Brother Mike, I appreciate you, my vision, but really it was the vision of Joshua. And he just presented it to me and I, okay, let's try it. Let's give it a shot. I, I can learn a few things along the way too. And that was really good. I appreciate it. I'm so glad that uh, the Lord put that on his heart and then also put it on mine to follow through with it. So that was great. Amen. Yeah, on Friday night I came in to pray from 9 to 10, and I was so blessed to pray with Lindsay and Sarah. Mm. And I was so convicted there, um, praying for just my lack of conviction for souls. Mm. Um, the Lord just really convicted me. Um, and... I said, I'm praying for myself to go out to these souls that I don't know, and I haven't shared my faith with my own family. So um, he just laid that burden on my heart that night, and I drove home, and I was so burdened for my brother-in-law. So I, it was like 11, 11.30 at night, I messaged him, and I just laid it all out. Amen. And that... Just being obedient brought me so much joy. And so, yeah, I Amen. just want to encourage everyone. It just brought that peace and joy, being obedient Amen. to the Lord. So. Yes, that's good. Put ourselves in a position to hear from God. And he'll speak, won't he? He speaks. All right, uh, let's go ahead and work kind of this way, and we'll just have a few more. Anybody else? Over here, over here. Okay, good. Okay, thank you, Brother Chase. Um, I had never done anything like that either. Uh, and it's funny because from, so I came for the first night on Thursday, and the devil was fighting me um, from the moment I woke up, and I wasn't due to be here until 8. And I, you know, I fought it and I came, of course, and I was so glad I came because um, if I'm honest, I had kind of lacked in my own prayer life mm -hmm. and in my personal prayer life. And just to hear, you know, the hearts of the people and I'm not a crier and I was so broken um, and just cried like a baby <clears throat> more time, more than once. And um, ever since uh, Saturday, when I left, and wait, so me and the kids came in here together, and we don't pray together, like, um, on a individual basis. Okay, you pray what's on your heart, you pray. But when my babies was in here praying, and I heard their hearts, oh, my Amen. word. It really <clears throat> did something to me. Um, and ever since Saturday when I left, um, I've just been in, like, a continual state of prayer. Like, prayer requests that came in weeks or months ago that I may have forgotten about, I've been remembering it just been just staying in that continual state of prayer because one thing mm -hmm. I wanted to take from it was like not to let it end on Saturday, but to continue it, you know, going in my own personal life. So it encouraged me tremendously. Amen. And I was telling Ms. Sherry, like, we need to do that again. <laughs> <clears throat> well, amen. That's good. Excellent. Yeah, getting to hear the heart of others. That's so good, especially your own family. That's so good, isn't it? Um. I had to work on Thursday, so I wasn't able to come until Thursday night. And so I signed up for one of the late hours on Thursday night, and then the hour before me didn't fill up, so we went ahead and signed for that one up too. So I had two hours to try and fill with me and my family. And I thought it was going to go really long, and it didn't. Uh, again, just like Mike said, you could feel God's presence in here, um, and that was yeah. very amazing. And I'm not much of a crier either, but 
by the time I got down to the teen conference and talking about the youth rally, the hearts for the souls and the, the teens, I, just, I lost it. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that, it was. It was just, uh, it's refreshing, wasn't it? It's so refreshing. Th uh, one more. Yeah, one more in the back then. Be quick. Oh, sorry. Um, I, uh, I, we came during the day. And, you know, my husband was at home, and I could have left the kids at home, but I wanted them to experience this, even at yeah. seven and nine. And <clears throat> by the last day, they were begging me, Mommy, can we pray too? And so they got to be a part of it, not Amen. just Mommy and the people that we were with, but they got to pray. And, you know, if these prayers get answered in a big way or even a small way, they'll be able to say, hey, I had a part in that. Right. And hopefully they will learn to carry that with them and they will be able to tell their children and if we continue to do this and they continue to come and they continue to be faithful that can be something they can say hey i started that when i was little and so that was my blessing amen. and my takeaway from this amen i felt like <clears throat> when the lord says you know the disciples said lord teach us to pray and i felt like as we all got together we were all learning a little bit more about how to pray and it was really a blessing, and uh, it was an encouragement. I just wanted to hear from some of you tonight and get a feel for uh, just where you stood on it and what, uh, how the Lord used that time in your life. And, uh, boy, those are some powerful testimonies, some wonderful testimonies. And it's amazing what prayer can do, amen? It is, I'm telling you. And, you know, we get so busy in our world, so busy in our life, that we fail to slow down long enough to do the most important things. And I think it was just wonderful to watch just, I mean, I don't know, it seems like everybody I see out here came and was a part of this. And uh, if you weren't able to, boy, I tell you what, I know you're going to want to be next time. But it was awesome. And uh, it just, you could tell, it just, I think it brought us together, didn't it? It really brought some unity to us. And I appreciate the Lord just doing that. And he, he rejoices in that unity. And as our hearts were knit together in prayer, we're going to rejoice together as we see God do miracles. All right. <clears throat> was broken, marred within, an image ruined, scarred, and stained. I had no hope that you forgive the sin that caused your deepest pain. Yet here I stand by grace complete, made faultless through
powerful song that is, amen? Well, we uh, prayed, uh, <clears throat> it seemed like, honestly to me, at least in the prayer portions that I was in, <clears throat> probably the greatest portion was spent on the, the campaign, okay? Now, again, we spent a lot of time on the youth rally. We spent time on that, uh, that, that, that mini family uh, conference that we're going to have, but boy, it seemed like we really focused a lot of energy and time praying about souls and about the need to reach the world and just for a burden. And so I thought tonight I would talk to you about developing a burden. And uh, so I want to just um, take just a few moments. We don't have a lot of time left, and, and that's all right. I wanted to spend time hearing what God did in your life, and uh, you know, you listen to me all the time, so uh, you know, it's good to hear from you. And uh, that's one of the wonderful things about the prayer time, getting to hear from others. And as was mentioned, the hearts of others. It's so powerful. Well, anyway, in order to <clears throat> remain a faithful and effective soul winner, you're going to have to develop a burden. You just have to. It's, um, without it, we're in real trouble. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be faithful. We're not going to be committed we're not going to be consistent without a burden. Now, through the years, I've heard a number of people say things like, well, preacher, I'd go soul winning, but God hasn't given me a burden yet. I'm waiting on a burden. If I'd get a burden, I mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to go, like, just to go. I want to have a burden for souls. I'm waiting on that burden for souls. And uh, before we go any further, I think I, I got to point out that God never commands us to have a burden, by the way. But he does command us to go. And I think that's important to remember. A burden is a feeling. And the believer can never allow feelings to supersede the truth. I mean, truth is always to master our feelings. We've talked about it in the past, but, you know, remember we kind of had that choo-choo train up here, you know? And we have the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the steam engine at the front, and it represents the facts, we got the facts. And then on the other hand, the next that follows is the faith. And then comes the feeling. So we have the facts that have to drive the train. We have the faith that comes as a result of the facts, which is the word of God and the precepts and commands of scripture. And then we have it all followed up by feelings. If our feelings somehow get out front, and we're basing our faith on our feelings, then we have a real problem. And what happens sometimes when it comes to this area of soul winning is that we're looking to get a burden before we're obeying the facts. We're putting the feelings before the truth of the Word of God. Listen, I want a burden, and I know you do, and I think it's important, as we said and mentioned already, that without a burden, we're not going to continue on. We're going to find ourselves waxing and waning in this area of soul winning. We've got to have a burden if we want to be faithful and committed to the area of winning souls. But that is not a prerequisite to going. You can win a soul and not have a burden. And you say, that's ridiculous. Why, well, why is it ridiculous? It's not you anyway. It's the Word of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to make sure that we keep things in the proper order. Truth is always to master our feelings. So God's Word is truth, and it states, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what's commanded of us. Now... <clears throat> Because we're commanded to go, that settles it. Amen. You know, you've seen the stickers. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Nah, God said it, that settles it. That's it. Right? Isn't that what it ought to be? 
Man, why do you have to believe it? That doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's done. It's settled. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what I believe or what I don't believe. God said it. That settles it right there. It's simple. Without a burden, it's easy to become discouraged or to lack a sense of urgency to be effective. Now today, again, I want to just take a few moments and talk about developing a burden. In John chapter 20, verse 21, the Bible says, Then Jesus said, uh, excuse me, then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. He sent me, I'm sending you now. Now, to get started right in this particular area, I, I think we got to first state the obvious. You'll never develop the burden God desires into you until you first develop the relationship you need with the master. Amen. So if you want a burden for souls, you have to first develop a relationship with the Lord, the right kind of relationship. And once you develop that relationship with the Lord, then you're on track for the rest of the blessings or, you know, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. The business of soul winning was conceived in the mind of Christ, in the mind of God. It's his passion. It's his heartbeat. It wasn't something that the Baptist church came up with. It wasn't something that religion in general came It was literally God's idea to reach the world with the gospel. It was his passion again, his heartbeat. And God does indeed have a burden for his creation. And that's why indeed he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and take his place on Calvary in order to pay for our sin. Literally, God became flesh and dwelt among us. If you and I will challenge ourselves to be as close to God as we possibly can, I believe the burden will come. I don't think it's going to be that tough because the closer we get to Christ, the more close we get to his heartbeat and the more we become Christ-like and that love, of course, for others and that burden for others will grow. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 3, the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. What we're going to learn and what we're going to see even throughout the lesson, so to speak, is that when we go in obedience, we're going to get the burden. Again, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. So many times we're waiting for the feeling to come before we exercise the truth. But God says, you exercise the truth and let me worry about giving you the feeling. Can I tell you, you say, I don't love my wife anymore. Then you just act like you love her. You treat her like a queen. You do everything for her. You die to self. I'm not doing everything for her, of course. She's going to have to change diapers. But, <clears throat> but you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to be a good husband. You say, but I've fallen out of love. First of all, you don't know what real love is if you've fallen out of it, because you don't fall into real love. You choose it. Amen. But you do what you know to do. You do what's right to do. And I, I, I just can't stand people. Well, then start acting like you love them. I'm telling you, the Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. If we would just do the right things, we'd begin to feel and think the right way. So what do we need to do to develop a burden then? Well, just just three simple things. That's all. I'm going to give you three simple things. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, bless us now. Give us your wisdom, your strength. Father, speak to our hearts in a mighty way. Do a miracle in our lives. Lord, help us to develop a burden, a burden for souls, a a burden that drives us and moves us and compels us to go when we don't feel like going. Father, again, we don't want the feeling to direct us. We know that we already have a command. But Lord, we do. It's so much better when we have that burden. It's so much easier when we have that desire. So Lord, place that burden on our hearts. But Lord, may we never... May we just realize that, Lord, that burden is not something 
that really will come by prayer. It's going to be something we go and get. So help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, get in the presence of sinners. You want to develop a burden for the lost, you got to get in the presence of sinners. Now, <clears throat> Jesus left the comforts of heaven and he came to earth. We know this to be the case. We've read about it. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible explains that Jesus, who was rich, became poor even, in order to take his place among his creation, that he might provide a means for escape, the escape of all humanity. He left heaven. He came to earth. He became poor, even though he was rich. He got in the presence of sinners. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty might be rich, that ye through his poverty might be rich. If we're to develop a burden, then we got to go and get in the presence of sinners. Now, you and I know the scriptures. We understand the commands of Christ. We know it's called the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He also says in Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He does not say, Go and get a burden. He says, go into all the world. He says, go and preach the gospel. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He doesn't say, go get a burden and then win them. He didn't tell us to do that. You got to get in the presence of sinners. You want to develop a burden for sinners. You want to develop a burden for the lost. Then go get in the presence of some lost people. You got to get around them. I'm not talking about go down to the bar and hang out and have a beer with them. And sadly enough, that's the direction the church is going today. That's where religion is going. You know, they're taking this idea that, uh, you know, that Paul, he became all things to all men that he might win some, and they're taking it and they're running with it and saying, well, then I'm going to have to get in with those guys that are drinking. I won't get drunk or anything, but I'll just have a beer, but I'm doing it for Jesus' sake. Yeah, right. Come on. This is ridiculous. But the truth is, is that we are going to have to put ourselves in proximity to unbelievers if we're going to ever develop a burden for them. And you know what? The Lord's not asking us to do anything that he's not done on his own or that he's not already done himself. In John 13, 15, we noted, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. He's given us the example. We find him in the midst of sinners. Matter of fact, he was criticized because he was around sinners at times. He did not participate in their sin, but he got around sinners. I want to encourage you to go to the family picnic. I don't care what you're going to run into. You don't have to stick around when it gets crazy. You don't have to be there when it gets nuts. But you need to be at the family picnic at least long enough to be seen and to get around some people that are lost so that you can influence them. Yeah, but there might be bad music playing. That's all right. Get around the sinners. Because that's what happens when you get around sinners. There's not the right kind of music. They may not even talk the right way. But what about my kids? They'll learn that sinners, that's what sinners do. And that's why it's good not to be one. You want to know the most dangerous place to send your kid today? To a liberal Bible college. Where good kids are but they don't believe the Bible the way it's been taught in the home and in the pulpit at the church they attended. That's the most dangerous place to send your 18-year-old because they're going to come home with somebody who believes in speaking in tongues or somebody that believes that you can lose your salvation or somebody that believes you don't have to wear the right kind of clothes or somebody that believes you don't have to talk right, live right, and act right and be separated. It's a dangerous place. Send them out in the world they at least recognize and see the difference and know that ain't the place I want to be if you let them get close enough without them getting into it. We protect our kids sometimes to the point where they don't get a chance to see the sinner and recognize the damage that sin causes. That's why the bus ministry is so valuable in a church. 
It changes the lives of our young people. It helps them to see the carnage that sin brings in a life, and yet it keeps them from necessarily getting involved in it, but they're close enough to smell that smoke. They're close enough to smell that alcohol. They're close enough to see what's taking place in the lives of those kids and how their parents are destroying the home and family, and they say, I don't want nothing to do with that. Well, I don't want my kid getting around some of that stuff. I'm afraid for them. Yeah, well, then they'll just walk right into the world and do their thing then. They'll be that person, not just simply get around it any. You've got to get in the presence of some sinners if you're going to develop a burden. You've got to use common sense. You need to use some, I mean, use your brain. And again, you can't get involved with them in doing the same things, but you certainly need to be around them if you're going to develop a burden. Number two, not only get in the presence of sinners, but you got to gaze upon the problems of sinners. You can't get around sinners without seeing the mess they're in. Listen, Jesus dwelt among sinners, and it broke his heart as he considered their condition. It was obvious. The Lord Jesus Christ struggled. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. I never wanted my children to take drugs and drink. But I certainly wanted them to get close enough to it to see somebody that did. To watch them wrap their car around a telephone pole and hear about somebody that died because they did not control themselves and their flesh. I'd rather it be somebody else's kid and not mine. I know that didn't come across very nice. But I tell you what, we can get all high and mighty and act like, well, we love everybody. It's all the same. No, it isn't the same. You and I both know that. I gave my life for my children. I don't want to see them go the wrong direction. I don't want to see them end up in the pit of hell. I don't want to see them end up in a mess over here, smoking and getting high and drunk with their friends, going to parties where there's all kind of junk taking place and things going on that's going to wreck and ruin their lives or bring somebody into the world without a daddy. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. I'll say this. I don't want to see anybody's kid get in that mess, but I'll tell you what, I certainly didn't want to see mine. That's what I guess I should have said. It'll be taken out of context, I'm sure. Matthew 23, 37. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. He saw their weary, excuse me, what I'm saying, what he's saying here is is he's looking at Jerusalem and he's recognizing the, the mess they find themselves in. His heart breaks as he looks at the condition of the sinner, as he sees how hopeless and helpless they are. He looks at their weary bodies, their heavy hearts, and their broken spirits, and he he can't help but cry out. His travels left him weary and worn with compassion. And he had an unrelentless burden for souls. He got in the world and he got in the presence of sinners and he saw the problems of sinners and it broke his heart. It's amazing some of the stories I have heard and so forth coming out of our bus ministries and coming out of some of our our Sunday school classes and things as they've made visits on families. Let me tell you something. It's amazing what other people endure and what they go through. If it doesn't break your heart, you are cold as ice. We got to get around sinners and then we need to be truly not only in their presence, but recognizing the problems that they have. You'll see them. They'll be right there. It's a glaring issue. It just stands right out like a sore thumb. And you know what? We're waiting for God to give us something that we have to develop ourselves. We, we need to stop praying for a burden, and we need to go get one. In Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse... 36, Matthew 9, 36. Do you know, I'm convinced that we are not sick enough of sin. 
It doesn't bother us. Man, I tell you what, any parent <clears throat> that has watched their children go the wrong direction in any way, any time, has had a broken heart. No parent can watch that happen, not have a broken heart. It's too bad that we don't get the broken heart for sin and sinners before it gets that far so many times. We allow certain things in our home and in our lives and in our, our relationships, and then we realize those things are things that led to the next step that ultimately led to this tragedy. I'm telling you, sin plays no favorites. You better be careful. You've got a young person or a child right now that's young. You better raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You better put them in a position where they recognize, as we noted earlier, the power of Christ in their life. You better see the reality of God because the world sure looks good. says in Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He got around the, the, he got in the presence of sinners, but notice he recognized the problems of sinners. When he saw the multitudes, he recognized some things that broke his heart, that brought compassion on his life, in his life. It's hard to get a burden for souls when you're stuck in an office all day. You don't get a burden for souls necessarily watching TV shows. I mean, we have been, been desensitized to sin to the point where really, in reality, we almost accept it. We, don't, we wouldn't verbally accept it. We don't even consciously accept it. But subconsciously, it's like, well, that's just part of the, that's how life is. This is what we deal with. This is what goes on. You can't stop that. You can't quit that. That'll never end. Who can, you, what are you going to do about it? You might as well not be so concerned about it. The multitudes had followed Christ out into the wilderness, and now they're tired and they're hungry. And he sees their need. And he wells up with compassion. If he had never been in the midst of the people, he would have never felt such compassion. But he had to get in the presence of the sinner and see the condition of the sinner. Recognize the problems of the sinner. That's why in the book of Lamentations, turn to Lamentations chapter 3. It's one of the books that God used Jeremiah the prophet to write. Lamentation. It's not one you probably spend a lot of time in. It's not very large. Chapter 3, verse 51. It is in the Old Testament. find Jeremiah, you'll run into lamentation. Lamentation 351. A principle, a very, very basic and yet very powerful principle. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Jeremiah looks across the city and he can't help but his heart break. His eye sees what sin is doing to his people. We go out into the city today and we knock on them doors and we get in the midst of those homes and we reach out to the community. My friend, I don't know that we can't help but begin to see how desperately in need they are. Now we can close our eyes to that. We can knock on a door and we can smell marijuana coming out of the door and think, well, whatever. At least that's not in my house. Walk away to the next door, hit the door. But I want you to think about the potential that those children face moving forward in their lives. I want you to think about the desperate situation they could find themselves in in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. I want you to understand that it doesn't end with a little drug use. It doesn't end necessarily until a bunch of friends show up over at the house and all kind of mess takes place. Let me tell you something. Those children live in a horrible situation and environment sometimes. And thank God they are so resilient that they turn out for God even in the midst of all that mess. But it won't be because of some coincidental situation. It'll be because some Christian cared enough to go back and knock on it again. And somebody thought it might be good if they could get into church, even if it was only one time a week. 
Man, we got to get a burden for people. We got to start recognizing that the world does not have it all wonderful. Oh, we see them on the media and everybody's got money and they've got a beautiful guy or gal on their arm. And man, they're driving the nicest cars and have a beautiful home. And everything we see that's being advertised for the world looks so wonderful. But that is not how people live that are sinners. That's not how it actually is in real life. I went to uh, Atlantic City one time. And years and years ago, I was 18. And I still remember how beautiful that, that, that strip was, those big, huge, tall buildings and all those casinos and all that stuff. Man, it was unbelievable. And then I got off the beaten track. I got away about two or three blocks the other direction, and it was slum city. They were sticking needles in their arms, winos with bags and drinking liquor. And I thought, what just happened? They just dress sin up real good over there. But this is what it really is. And it's the same there. It just looks better. But that's where it all ends, right here. It ends right here. This is where it ultimately ends up. And we forget that sometimes. You ever been to Las Vegas? Well, I've been there too. Just last year, preacher's conference. No, I'm teasing. little roulette with Olet. Some of you know him. <laughs> but have you ever, I mean, it's unbelievable. You go back into certain alleys and stuff and you run into all kind of crazy stuff. Listen to me, I'm just telling you that sin can look really good, but when you get out there amongst the people, when you start really getting around some sinners and you're going to start to develop a burden. It's hard to develop a burden in our suburbia. Our nice little homes and our nice little streets. And, and behind the door is wretchedness. We're knocking on them and everybody acts all kind and nice. And boy, they're so refined. But the truth is, it ain't no different. Sin is still doing its work. It's wrecking and ruining lives. What's the difference if there's broken marriages down here in the inner city of Akron or there's broken marriages in suburbia, it's still broken marriages and it's still lives being wrecked and ruined because of sin, because of lust, an unbridled lust. What in the world's the problem with us? We've got to see the sin. If we see the carnage of sin, we will develop a burden for the sinner. When we recognize the problems they face in their life, when we realize that it is all a direct result of Satan and sin, it is not about bad choices, it's about Satan and sin, and it leads to bad choices. And you could make those same bad choices if it wasn't for the grace of God in your life. Yeah, they make bad choices, but guess what? You've made some bad ones too. Well, we got to get around the sinner, and we need, to, we need to gaze upon the problems of sinners, and we'll, we'll develop a burden then. Then it'll start to happen. It wasn't waiting for a burden to develop or even praying for one that led this prophet to a broken heart. It was going and seeing the tremendous need. That's exactly what you and I need to do. Finally, grieve over the punishment of sinners. There is... A bad day coming. It's bad enough that they live their lives hopelessly. I mean, without God and without hope in the world. That's what the Bible says. That's how they live their lives. Sadly enough, too many believers are living like that. Because we're not yielded to the Spirit. We're not walking in the, the Word of God. We're, we're, we're doing things on our own. We're going our own direction. And we wonder why we can't find love, joy, and peace. But the world has nothing. Hell is real, by the way. The rich man died, the Bible says, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Now, the word torment means extreme pain, anguish, the, uttermost, the utmost degree of misery, either of body or mind. Torment is what the soul without Christ has to look forward to. It's all it has to look forward to is torment. And you know what? No matter how good their present life may seem, this is the best it ever gets, though. This is the best. 
I, listen, I, I really don't know how to explain this, but my heart is really burdened because I am so convinced that too many of us really are, whether we want to admit it or not, we really do believe that this right here brings happiness. We do. We think it does. Man, there's a lot of money there, too. <laughs> Notice there's all ones on the outside. But we got the idea, I think, that, that this brings happiness. Man, a, a nice house, a good job, and all that, that guarantees happiness. Man, sin attacks everywhere and attacks everyone. Be careful. I'm, I'm just really burdened about those things. That's why our teenagers are falling off left and right. That's why uh, our young adults aren't sticking to the course. That's why adults are finding themselves leaving their first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly enough, leaving their other loves too. Yet somehow we think we've missed out on something so wonderful called the world. We really have... We need to grieve over the punishment of sinners. I mean, think about hell for a moment. The Bible says again in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments. And the Bible says, he said to him, have mercy on me, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. As a matter of fact, in chapter 20, verse uh, 10, the Bible talks about the lake of fire, and it says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you know what it's saying? And listen, I'm going to tell you, the torment is bad enough, but you know what's even worse than the torment is no hope. It never, ever ends. Man, the day of judgment there in the great white throne judgment will be a day when every sinner comes to the realization that there is no hope of ever escaping the consequences of sin because they're going to a place called the lake of fire where they'll never escape. We go into the hospital and we have a procedure and the doc says, well, this is going to, or the, the dentist, he said, they're going to hurt a minute. We say, well, better for a minute than a lifetime. And so we allow the doctor to poke and prod. We allow the dentist to dig and, and, and rip and tear. And it's hurt and it's painful, but down deep there's something that we have that makes it a little bit easier and able to be dealt with. It's called hope. Hope that the pain will end. Hope that there'll be a better future. Hope that things will be brighter tomorrow. That's not the case in hell. It's not how it is in the lake of fire. There's never any hope. A burden. How do we develop a burden? We said three simple things. One, get in the presence of sinners, gaze upon the problems of sinners, and grieve over the punishment of sinners. Thanks to the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, everybody probably in the room has heard of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. But very few people have heard of Israel Bissell. He was a humble post writer on the Boston-New York route. After the Battle of Lexington and Concord on April the 19th, 1775, Bissell was ordered to raise the alarm in New Haven, Connecticut. He reached Worcester, Massachusetts. I can never say that. Make it mass, because my children will make fun of me now for the all night if I try to say it. They say I say it wrong all the time. So he... Worcester, Mass. <laughs> and that was normally a day's ride, but it took him a mere two hours to make. There, according to tradition, his horse literally dropped dead of exhaustion. Pausing only to get another mount, Bissell pressed on, reaching New Haven. But he didn't stop there either. 
He rode on to New York and then stayed in the saddle until he reached Philadelphia the next day. This was 126-hour, 345-mile ride signaled, Ameri um, uh, signaled America's militia units throughout the Northeast to mobilize for war. Can you imagine 126 hours in the saddle, 345 miles? What a sense of urgency. What a valiant effort to warn the colonies of the coming storm. Listen, the, the world is moving toward a head-on collision with eternal torment. We've got to warn them. We've got to warn them. Even as Bissell stayed in the saddle warning the colonists of the enemy's attack, you and I need to stay in the saddle warning the lost till the day we die. Can't afford to get out of the saddle. We got to stay on that horse. We got to keep warning people. I just don't have the burden I need. Hey, join the crowd. We all could use more of a burden. You're the preacher. I know. Sad, isn't it? I need a more larger burden, too. We all do. But if we wait for a burden, we just pray for a burden, the world is just going to go to hell. We just need to obey the Lord. And I believe that if we'll get in the presence of sinners, I believe if we'll view their problems and we'll consider their punishment, I'm confident, based on what I read in the Word of God, that a burden will develop. Let's stop praying for a burden, and let's go get one. 6.30 Tuesday, 6.30 Thursday, 9.30 Saturday. We're giving three opportunities a week. Hopefully you can go to one, maybe two, or all three. We don't do this year-round where we're asking people to come out extra, but we do it from time to time, and this is one of those times. May God help us to go get a burden these next few weeks. But when you go, try to remember what it would be like without Jesus in your life. Think about what it would be like raising your kids without the rules and the regulations and the commands and the scriptures. Think about what it would be like to not have the guidance and direction that God's word provides us. Believing somehow that the answers the world has are the right answers. Consider that. When you knock on that door, realize that they don't have the hope that you have. They may think they have hope in something or someone, but it will soon fade. We're offering them true hope. One of the great tragedies amongst our teenagers is that they wish they could live like the world. Not all of them, but there are some. I wish I could go these places. I wish I could do what they do. I wish I could drink what they drink. I wish I could. You know what's so sad, though? Some of us have experienced some of that mess, and we still long for it. If that's the case, that's a pitiful situation. And if we think for a moment we're going to spare our children a life of heartache with an attitude like that, They'll read between the lines. They'll read between the lines. They'll know our heart in the end. We better make sure we die to self. We better make sure that we understand there's nothing good that the devil has for us in that world. There's nothing good that sin provides for us. Let's go to rescue the lost. Let's go like Jesus did, to seek and to save that which was lost. I believe we'll develop a burden as we go. Father, we come to you. We pray, Lord, that you would just wake us up, Father, to our own failures, our own weaknesses even. Father, may we just loathe sin. May we, may we like Christ, hate sin. Hate sin for 
what it does to you and what it's done to you and your creation, to hate sin for how it affects us negatively and how it keeps us from honoring you and bringing glory to you. To hate sin for how it's going to hurt and harm our families, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones. Lord, may we go, Father, to rescue those, to warn them of sin and the consequences of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. May our burden grow as we go. May we see the hurt, the heartache, the hopelessness, the helplessness that abounds in the world in which we live without Christ. May you help us to realize how blessed we are and how good you've been. And may we take the joy of the Lord with us. Help our children, Lord, to see how horrible sin is. May they recognize the consequences of sin are nothing to mess with. May you just protect them and put a hedge of protection about them. May they love you and love your word and enjoy you. May they grow to be everything you'd want them to be and everything that they need to be so that they too can reach a world and enjoy the blessings of Christ in their life, their home, their marriages. Lord God, we need you tonight. We pray for your leadership and help us, Father, to go get that burden as we seek to rescue a world that's lost, taking you to them, the only one that can save them. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.